This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Pentecostal Periodical Magazine, a 501c3 ministry with writers who believe and live apostolic doctrine. A few writers include Kelly Nix, Scott Phillips, Samantha Thrash, Neil Purcell, Larry Chocklin, Jeff Arnold, and more. You can subscribe at www.pentecostalperiodical.com. If you would like to join our writing team or would like to make a donation, email us at info at pentecostalperiodical.com. We have a very special guest with us this evening, uh, Brother brother Theo uh, Eisenhut, uh, exceptional man of God. I'm very excited. Um, we're going to be talking about something that is um, needful uh, and I believe timely um, because th- th- there's only um, so much time left and you know, when we think about harvest and we think about um laborers in the field and uh we 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 try and and sort of put it into a biblical perspective, it's it really sort of gets us to a place where we recognize that the importance that even regardless of how long you've been laboring in the field, if you will, it sort of puts it into perspective, uh, the the importance and the power of even the new laborer in the field and how the reward for both is actually quite similar. Um, so, uh, Brother Theo, why don't you just tell our listeners a bit about yourself again? Thank you so much for the time. I'm very excited about uh, about this episode. Uh, so yeah, just introduce yourself. Uh, tell us a bit about your, your ministry, where you are right now, and uh, then we'll just sort of follow the leading of the Spirit after that. Amen. Well, I happen to be in a place where uh, one of your past guests was on not that long ago. Um, it's a town called Chillicothe. Uh, it's the home of sliced bread, as uh, Pastor Keck says. Every every time you eat a sandwich, uh Say a little prayer for us. Um, we are the place where sliced bread first occurred, which ironically um, is also the field of labor where my dad um, used to work. It's a funny story. Um, Pastor Keck um, has been instrumental in my family's upbringing. And you don't really think about the fields that you're in when you're laboring. And I know for our family, I was born in New York City. I'm in a town of a, like 11,000 people now. I was born in South Ozone Park, Queens. I remember very well um, when Brother Vic Vota, uh, great man of God, missionary to Taiwan, pastor over in Vandalia, and uh, Brother Jeff Keck, Pastor Jeff Keck, who I now sit under and minister beside, uh, knocked upon our door and uh, taught us a Bible study, taught my family a Bible study. But, you know, every time an opportunity like that happens, Brandon, it is, it's God-ordained. Yeah. 
you don't know whose fields you might be wandering into where they're searching for something. Just as, just as Boaz saw Ruth, she was looking for something. She had a need for something. Um, was kind of what transpired with my family as well. Uh, and, and it was a tremendous upbringing. So I, 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 I can tell, I'm going to tell you a little bit about that. But with where I am now, God has brought me to a place of where I get to walk beside somebody who was instrumental in helping to bring our family to the Lord. And so I am a product of a field of labor. Um, when I was a child, there was no church in South Ozone Park, Queens. Um, it was a, a work that was started by, you know, Brother Vic Vota, who, who pastored, um, and he was working at GM. He would actually fly to St. Louis and work Monday through Friday, fly in to, to preach on Sunday, and uh, fly out Sunday night so that way he could be at work, so he could support the work of the Lord. And um, this was in the early 80s. It was a, it was a tremendous time. It was a time, like I said, my, my family... We, we, we received the Lord. We came to the Lord. And uh, it was absolutely mind-blowing the way that everything in the, in, the, in the kingdom of God comes full circle. Yeah. And a lot of people don't look at it like that. Um, so that's a little bit about, about where, where I am, a little bit about where I'm from. And uh, I know for me, it was, it was very instrumental having these men of God in my life. Now, I wish I could tell you, Brandon, that my whole life I walked with the Lord and everything was exactly as it should be. And, you know, everything was Holy Ghost and fire and baptisms. And, and I, I came up as a youth and, you know, and, and unfortunately, that is not my story. But thankfully, my steps were still ordered of the Lord, yeah. even though I had to go my own way to find the way that God wanted me to go. You know, in John 4, 35 through 38, it, you know, Jesus is speaking. He says, Say not ye, there are four yet four months, and then cometh harvest. He said, Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look unto the fields, for they are white, already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Mm. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. And with how our lives are today, and with how the kingdom of God is today, we are seeing a harvest that we're reaping that we did not labor in. We are receiving seed that we did not plant. We are reaping the benefits of some other sower. And right now, it is happening all over the nation. God has his people planted firmly everywhere, and he has them doing their work. The problem is, is I walk into places and I hear people praying for a harvest. So many times we're praying for the wrong thing. God already said the harvest is there. We're to pray for laborers. Mm. And there are so many people that are looking, so busy looking for a harvest that they're, bit, that, they're, that they're missing the people right in front of them that are laboring with them already or 
better yet, could be laboring. We have a nation full of people, full of people who know about Jesus, but don't know who Jesus is. We have a nation of people who have been wrong church. And I'm not, obviously, I'm not talking about the apostolic movement that, you know, we follow the Bible doctrine as much as possible. But we have, we, we have all these other religions out there where people know of Jesus, but they don't intimately know who Jesus is. Right. They don't look like us. They don't act like us. They don't talk like us. But God has something for them just as much as us. And these people have a network of people that if we get into these people who are already thinking that they labor for Christ, we could literally turn this world upside down by educating the uneducated, by turning people into disciples instead of just turning them into few members. So many times we, we try to get people for numbers, but we don't take care of the people for the kingdom. Wow. You know, I was a product of a home Bible study. You know, everybody says nowadays, door knocking don't work. Well, you know what? Half the time that's because people don't want to get off their, their rear ends. Get out in the street and knock on the door. You know what? Yeah, people will slam doors in your face. But you know what? They did the same thing to Jesus, and he preached out in the open. We have a confinement in our minds of being in a building instead of being in a field. Jesus went into the buildings. He went into the cities. He went into the synagogues, and he brought the people out. We're trying to bring the people in. Our thought of what the church should be is completely backwards than what the kingdom of God that Jesus wanted us to perpetrate and wanted us to grow. And 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 I probably didn't use that word right, but I think you understand what I'm talking about Absolutely. with my train of thought there. Yeah, I received the Holy Ghost, and I was baptized at eight years old. I had tremendous pastors. After Brother Vic Botal went to the, went to the field, um, to the mission field, you know, we moved from New York to St. Louis, and I was able to send under Guy Rome an excellent man of God who unfortunately passed far too quickly. After that, we ended up leaving new life, which is, which was Bridgeton, Missouri. And I had the pleasure of sitting under a pastor named Jonathan Archie senior, amazing man of God prophecy. I mean, someone who believed in going out and doing it God's way. You know, I was a Bible quizzer. I sang in the choir. I played drums. I, I did everything, but yet, you know what? There was still, there was still a time where, like Jacob, I had to decide that my mom's God was going to be my God. You know, my parents separated at 11. So I started having issues with other kids because, you know, a lot of times kids are cruel. And we don't understand what people have gone, what, what people are going through or what people have gone through. I had issues with them because I was different. I did have the hand of God on my life, but I was also going through a lot of turmoil in my life. When my parents finally divorced two years later, I backslid completely within a year. By the time I was 14, I was so far out of church, I was looking for a reason to leave home. And I did. I went and lived with my sister in Florida. And I bounced. And I bounced from house to house. 
I would manipulate my parents. I'd manipulate my friends. I'd manipulate my family. And the reason why is because I wanted to get what I wanted. I turned to drugs. I turned to alcohol. I started partying. You know, I was in, I smoked. I smoked three packs a day. Pornography. I mean, you name it, I was into it. You know, I was arrested multiple times. But God, for some reason, never left me. He never forsook me. I can't tell you how many times I would be sitting on a bar stool and I would hear somebody talking, taking the name of the Lord in vain or talking about, you know, their church, you know, being what being whatever religion it was that they were. And I would literally sit down there and I would hear, I, I would hear this. And no, no matter how far I was away from God, I still knew the truth. You know, no matter how far your, our family, our friends or our loved ones get from God, we, they still know the truth. Even if it's not their truth, they still know the truth. So when somebody comes to them, they're going to straight up tell you, you know, that's not the way the pig ate the cabbage. 21 years I walked away from God. 21 years. I can't tell you how many times. When I was a young kid, and I, I'm, 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 I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to backtrack. When I was a young man, there was times where, you know, I had been prophesied over. And, and I had... I had been told by, by many men of God that there was a calling in my life and that God had something for me. And I believe that because God has shared things with me and I've, I've seen them come to pass. And it frightens me. It frightens me because I know that it is just one word that we can say or something that we can do and we can start a chain of events and we can take people down if we don't do things in the right way. 21 years, I was away from God. My mind wanted me to come back. I'd be sitting on that stool, and I'd hear somebody talking like that. And, and I would sit down, and I'd share, jacked out of my mind, I would share the plan of salvation with them, Brandon. Because I knew what was right, and I knew what it would take to get back with God. But you know what? The enemy lied to me and told me I was not able to walk in grace. And that's what he does. He takes he takes the, the, the minds of, of people and he takes the minds of the people that have been church wrong and he traps them into a thought process where the truth of God can't they don't they don't want it to penetrate and they won't hear the truth. Just like Jesus did with the with the with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They didn't want to hear the truth. They just wanted to hear that they were good. Most people nowadays, they can't handle the preaching that we heard in the 70s and 80s and early 90s. Hellfire and brimstone message. We want to hear a good message. We're not willing to do the work that, that other people were willing to do. We're not. A lot of people aren't willing to do the work of the Book of Acts Church. Well, I want revival. Well, so does everybody else. But nobody, not, not a lot of people are willing to make the sacrifices that they made back in the days in the Book of Acts. When have we seen big breakouts? People have been hungry. People have been thirsty. People have been seeking God. They have been seeking his will. They have been seeking his way. And they have taken what, they're, what they want. And they have sacrificed it for his will. Just as Jesus did on the cross. And what happened that day? 50 days after that, the, the, the Holy Ghost was out for it. And that day, there was one of the greatest revivals. Azusa Street couldn't even a revival. Could, couldn't even stand up to it. And I'm not trying to I'm not trying to diminish Azusa Street at all. Please please hear what I'm saying. 
that should be an everyday occurrence if we're walking in the apostles' doctrine. If we're working our fields, if we're in our cities, if we're in the highways and byways and compelling people to come, even the people who 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 know who Jesus is, but they know of Jesus, but don't know who Jesus is. I came back, and when I came back, God showed me so much. And I knew within my heart, there had been times where I tried to find my way back, Brandon. And you know, so many times God will forgive us, and we have such a hard time forgiving ourselves, that if someone, as we're trying to make our way back, holds our past to our charge, we figure God will do the same as well. How are we supposed to work a field if we're doing it backbiting and talking behind people's backs and not reaching out in love, but reaching out out of necessity because we want numbers? Wow. The fields are white. They're ready to harvest. If it wasn't for my, my pastor before here, I probably still wouldn't be walking with God. I'd probably be still doing what I did. He called me one day and he said, you know, it's time for you to stop all this foolishness and all these shenanigans. And it's time for you to do what God calls you to do. And all that I said and did in my whole life was Pastor J.T. Fergie. He was an assistant to Jonathan Urshan when I was a child. Whenever I got in trouble, I would call him and he'd pick up the phone. I can't tell you how many times I prayed through God would put something on my heart and I would go to a man of God and I'd say, you know what? God put this on my heart and he'd say, well, give me the message. I'm the, I, you know, I, I'm going to run it through my filter. And, you know, you, you've done so much in your past. How could God use you now? How in the world can we encourage people if we're so busy holding their past to their charge? If Jesus doesn't, then why do we? I'm not saying all of us do it, and I'm not trying to attack anybody in general. I have healed from these things, but these are things that God showed me that in advancing our ministry, in advancing the ministry he has given us in his kingdom, Jesus said, love one another. If it wasn't for that man of God picking up the phone and calling me out, I wouldn't be where I am today. It was five and a half years ago, and it was my birthday, Brandon, and I came back. When I came back, I, I didn't change overnight. I still look like who did it and how come. Came back, I had I had my cigarettes, I, I had my 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 I had those I had the morals of a sewer rat. And I was raised better. And little by little, piece by piece, God started chipping. He started changing. I didn't look like everybody in the United Pentecostal Church at that time. I fit in pretty well now. But it's because of the work God has done. He knew how I was, but he was somebody that I trusted. And God brought me full circle to serve underneath a man here that helped in the foundation of my family's faith 40 years ago. And he showed me that, you know what, we need to learn to be the examples and the people that we needed when we were out there. And leading into the future and looking towards one another. You know, sheep against sheep. We can't expect the pastor and the youth pastor and the outreach director to do all the work. We are all called. But even fewer still 
viewer still choose to answer that call. You know, there was a prophecy about five or six years ago that the prodigals were going to return. And since then, there has been a mass revival. There's been restoration of the hurt, the wounded, and those that have been pushed aside. And I truly believe that, you know, with the work that God is doing in his church now, with the words that we are getting, with the prophecy that is going forth, you know, either we believe this whole thing or we don't. Either we believe the whole word of God or, or it's, it's all of none effect. And even sometimes as apostolics, I hate to say it, and I'm going to put myself in this. We pick and choose the stuff that we can believe. We pray for a harvest. And we have a world that is full of people that are waiting to be harvested. Harvested it. He's always been looking for laborers. In Luke 10, too, Jesus said the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. You know, in Amos, everybody wants to stay in the New Testament. Let's go to the Old. In Amos 9, 13 to 15, it says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper. And the shredder of grapes, him that soweth seed. And the mountain shall drop sweet wine, and all the hills shall melt. That's telling me that we're coming to a place in the kingdom of God where we're not going to be able to pick and choose. We have to make sure that we are ready for these people. I have to make sure I'm ready to minister to someone who is just like me. Who was pushed aside and forgotten. And you know what? It's okay because I forgot myself. And most of the times what we do is we put ourselves in those situations where we both start to believe what the, the lies of the enemy. But the story in Matthew, Matthew chapter 20, where Jesus is talking, says, For the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that is a householder who went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. The master of the house he goes to from his house to hire the laborers. And when he had agreed with them for a penny a day, he sent them into the vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. They were free from labor. They were at leisure. They weren't being lazy. They were looking for something. Everybody's looking for something in this life. And we have the greatest gift in the world. How many people do we walk past because they can't even look us in the eye because they're ashamed of who they are? And we've got somebody who can make them proud of who he is. The marketplace was a place of all kinds of business, a place of assembly. And he said unto them, go into the vineyard and whatsoever is right, I will give you. And they went their way. Again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. We've all heard sermons that have been preached on this message about the laborers. In the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing idly by and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? And they said, Because no man hath hired us. That tells me other people were talking to them in the marketplace. Otherwise, he would have sent them in the field. That's the wrong church, Brandon. That's the people who know 
about the work of the Lord, but don't know how to go about the work of the Lord because they haven't been discipled. Because we're all God's children, yes? Amen. He said, go also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that's what you shall receive. Everybody else, everybody else, when it was time to come and collect the pay at the end of the day, oh, we... They, they started handing it out from the from the from the people that just got there to the people that were there the longest. And you know, such is the kingdom of heaven. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Jesus, all over, he just sat there and and communicated this with all with his disciples, trying to tell them this doesn't work like it does in the world. My kingdom is totally different. It's done my way, my will, and my time. That's why it says in Ecclesiastes, he has made all things beautiful in his time. And he has put forever in the hearts of men so no man can know the beginning from the end. We have such a difficult time. We have such a difficult time realizing that the people coming in have just as much of a right to talk in tongues, to dance, to preach. Everybody has a message to give. But we're too busy playing politics. Mm. So what happens? I'm going to reference something Pastor Keck said. They enter the grumble zone. <laughs> That's exactly what happened with them in the and when they saw the everybody getting their pay. They said they've only been here an hour, and they all made you made them equal to us. We have borne the heat and the burden of the day. And he said, I did, friend, I did thee no wrong. Didn't you agree with me for a penny? Take what is, take that, that is thine. Take that thine is, I'm saying that five times fast. And go thy way. And I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. And then it goes on to say that the first shall be last, and the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. For many be called, but few chosen. We need to embrace this kingdom of God and realize it isn't our house. It's his house. It isn't our field. It's his field. Just as Boaz redeemed Ruth, Jesus Christ redeemed each and every one of us. You know, And it doesn't matter where we've been or what we've done. We're all worthy of grace. The laborers are there. We just have to learn to trust people as Jesus did. What did Jesus do with his disciples? He sent them out two by two. He has 70 more that we have a chapter about that we don't have anything else about, but he sent them out and they were casting out devils and they didn't even have the power of the Holy Ghost. Most Holy Ghost filled people wouldn't even know what to do if they were confronted by a devil right now. But it's our field of labor. We're so busy stuck in a building that we don't go into our fields. Wow. <clears throat> wow. Something I'm very passionate about. There, 
is this 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 stigma that's attached to uh, prodigals, um, people that have walked away from God, and and I I have seen it. I have seen it, brother. I have seen it where people will come to church and they'll clean their act up and they'll do a really, really good job, right? And they'll start yeah. getting... And it's and, and they, they have a desire to start getting more involved in the church and, you know, functions and, and outreach and, and Bible studies. and But it's almost as if that human that carnal that that uh that just that just nature in us that is just so judgmental we have so much trouble overcoming that to see that we were all sinners because the bible says such were some of you right and we and and, and instead of facilitating that 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 growth. So for a plant to grow, it's got to be rooted. It's got to be grounded. Well, what does it need to be rooted right. and grounded in? It's got to be grounded in the truth. word of God. It's got to be grounded in truth, yeah. in love, in, 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 and there has to be that, that, that for someone to come into the church and get, get rooted in the church, you know, it, Plants need a lot of care. Absolutely. And you know, my wife and I, we just planted a garden. It's the first garden I've ever planted. And mind you, I told you I was a city boy. I think there was like two blades of grass in our driveway because it was, you know, growing between the concrete. But as we were growing and as we were planting, that seed has to be protected. You see, so many times when we're looking at the plant, we don't see the depth of what's underneath or a lack thereof. And a lot of times people that are prodigals that come back are so happy to be home. And they don't believe they belong there. And then the brother comes in from the field. And then they hear what the brother says from the field. And it's only a matter of time before that plant is upended, offended, out on its own, and it has no depth. Because a root of bitterness will set in. Because it's a lie from the enemy. And if everybody else sees it, they eventually start seeing it too. Case in point, one of the times when I prayed through Brandon, God was dealing with me. I I was back in. I was praying. I'd go to prayer meetings. I, I was upset that they only lasted 45 minutes. I was like, I was finally getting somewhere. You're just getting into good prayer at about the 30 to 45 minute mark. And there was one night in prayer meeting, all the spirit of God was moving and tongues went forth. And I'm not going to lie, Brandon, God spoke to me, and, I, and I, I, God gave me the interpretation, and I froze. 
I didn't have a car at the time. I had been, I had, uh, I had just gotten out of jail for being a kid and doing stupid stuff. Um, and, uh, I went to the pastor and I, he gave me a ride home because he was my ride to and from church. And said, pastor, you know, I apologize. He said, well, why would you apologize? I said, well, God gave me the interpretation and I froze. And I will never forget his response, Brandon, because honestly, it was after that day where I stopped going again. And he looked at me and his exact word was, word, was you? And I don't know if it was out of shock or if it was out of disbelief. But as the prodigal walks in, and as the prodigal is starting to get reacclimated to the spirit of God, and the will of God, and the work of the Lord. We have to be hyper-vigilant and extra careful that we don't cast seeds of doubt that will choke out the growth that God is doing. Because ever since I came back five years ago, I have grown by leaps and bounds. And you know what? That's the thing. The prodigals, they grow by leaps and bounds because they had the roots that were always there but they had become dormant. They had become dry. And until God completely saturates every part of their being, and they are absolutely able to move in the power and the spirit of God, and that life is rejuvenated and resurrected and brought back, those deeps will go, those rules will go deeper and wider. They will cast a very, very vast support system. The, the root support system, it, it'll just go out. And it's those times in that zeal, that's when we start seeing revival. We start seeing people baptized. It's not because of the people that are sitting on the pews. It's because of the young growth, the excitement. Excitement breeds excitement. And yes, it's not emotionalism. But when we're excited and genuinely excited about the things of God, what happens when you go, you just bought a car, Brandon. When you went and you you saw the salesman, what did they do? They created excitement. They showed you the features and benefits, and they closed the deal. We are living epistles known and read of all men. We're, we're, we're We're representatives of the gospel of Christ. If we can't get excited about eternal life, then what are we doing? Wow. Yeah. And in that excitement, You know, you you've got some you've got some denomin denominations of you know where they believe that only X amount of people will get into heaven, and they'll give you an exact figure, an exact number. And you know the interesting thing is, is that they be- they believe that only so many people will get into heaven, but they still share the gospel, and we believe. That more people, you know, that that it's God's will that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance, right? So if God, 
wants everybody to come to a place of repentance. And But we can't even see, you know, and it's almost like we judge the seed, we judge the person, and I touched on this a little bit at the beginning, you know, we we judge them as if, so wheat and tares, you know, tares and wheat, they look the exact same. Right. And we have that scripture where it says, you know, the wheat and the tares, um, uh, what is it, uh, Matthew, I believe it's Matthew chapter 13 and, and verse 24, 25. So Matthew uh, 13, 24 through 25. Uh, yeah, the parable of the wheat and tares, yeah. And he, 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 he's talking about it. And what, what does he say? He says another parable uh, I give to you. And then he, he compares the kingdom of heaven to sowed seed, uh, good seed, I believe it says. and In his field. In his field. And it says... And while, while the, the en- men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. And so if you, lo- if you look at that for a second, you know, it's like, well, we're just not having growth, so it's got to be tares and we got to kick them out. But read on. What else does it, what does it say after that? It said, but when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. Yeah, keep reading. So the servants of the householder came and said unto them, Sir, didst thou not sow good seed in the field from whence hath it have tares? And he said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servants said with him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? This he right said, here. Nay. This right here. This is lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. Until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye to get together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. So here's the thing. <laughs> we have absolutely no business. Judging the wheat from the tear. No. When it comes to the seed that comes into the church, and in and and we're in the field and we're gathering and we're inviting people to church and we're having events and and we're we're uh, being steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. We're breaking the bread and uh, we have fellowship and and we're we're praying and we have prayer meetings and. And we're having uh, uh, youth meetings and men's meetings and ladies' prayer meetings. And, and you go through the whole list of things that, that we do. And we invite these people and, and we, we start incorporating these people into the, into the body. And, you know, they make a mistake. And, and it's just like you would think it was the end of the world. Well, you know, here's a crazy thing. If you, if you back that up. You know, it says when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit. The wheat is fruitful. After after the fruit sprung, then appeared the tares. So you got to keep in mind, in, in this field that we're in, that the fruit and the tares are going to come around the same time. 
I, I loved it the way that uh, the way that I heard one 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 preacher put it. He said, "You know, the mercy seat was in the middle. When you look at the Beatitudes, you know it said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy.' And that's right in the middle. We're so quick to jump in the judgment seat that we look right past the mercy seat of Christ." Mm. How are we going to reach a world that is already judging themselves when we're too busy trying to do God's job? Wow. <laughs> I remember it was Brother T.F. Tenning said, um, you know, if you want God to show you how to do your job, do his job. So often, we think because we have the spirit of Christ in us that we're him in the flesh. Then we forget that we were sinners saved by grace. Out of ourselves, lest any man should boast. It is a gift. It's a gift that we should freely give because he freely gave us. Right. You know, I, I messed up last week, Amber, and I'm going to tell you a story. I, I prayed for God to give me an opportunity to uh, to share his message. And uh, my wife and I, we went to Pella, Pella, Iowa, about three hours away from here. And my prayer that morning after I got to here was, God, let me at least talk to somebody about you today. I'm not in my field, but you know what? I'm in someone else's field. Let me help them while I'm here. And we were just there for a day. We were there looking at the tulips. It's a big tulip town. It's where Pella Windows comes from. And it's absolutely beautiful town. I mean, just covered with tulips and just little uh, little shots. It's, it's beautiful there. And we went to the coffee uh, house first thing in the morning. Like all good apostolics, you got to have a good cup of coffee to start the day. <laughs> and there was a table of five people. And they were talking about Jesus. Didn't look like me. Didn't sound like me. Didn't dress like me. But they were talking about Jesus. I know Jesus. And as I was sitting there and I was listening to them, I started to get tears in my eyes. And I so bad wanted to walk over and say, can anyone join in this conversation about Jesus? It was the opening I had prayed for Brandon. I didn't take that open. And I was convicted about it when I walked out of that coffee shop because I had every opportunity. I had a wide open door, five people sitting at a table talking about Jesus. And I couldn't even open my mouth to them. Mm. How often, how often do we as apostolics hear people talk about Jesus? talk about this, talk about that. But Jesus is in the middle of their conversation. Where's our boldness? Where's, where was my boldness? I have no problem telling people what I think at the wrong time. Why can't I tell people about Jesus at the right time? I wandered in someone else's field and I could have labored. And I did it. 
Sunday I woke up and saw the Lord lay some soul upon my heart. Love that soul through me. You remember that song, Brandon? Am I showing my age? <laughs> I'd sing it, but you know, wouldn't, wouldn't want anybody's ears to bleed. <laughs> hey, man, I don't want I don't want people thinking that we're, you know, hurting animals over here. <laughs> um, but how often do we do we have a prime opportunity to share Jesus? Look at Acts three. They had that perfect opportunity. Silver and gold have I none. I was looking for something. The Bible is filled with examples of people that were looking for something. Look at Cornelius. He was praying and looking for something. Philip the evangelist with the with the Ethiopian unit. He was looking for something. We have an entire world looking for something. Right. And we have such a hard time seeing past the nose on our faces. Not all of us. I'm guilty of that, Brandon. A lot. Most of the time when God gives us something, it's not just for everybody else. You know, as well as I do, most of the time we're preaching to ourselves. Yeah. But it's this hour. It's this hour. It's this time. It's this moment that we're in that is so important for the work of the Lord to be done. We can't afford to get in the way of what God wants to do. Amen. Brother, this this has been tremendous. Um, I mean, at that, I don't know that there's really anything else to say. Just, I don't think I got anything else <laughs> The key, the key is that we're all laborers and we, for instance, you've got the account in the Bible where, you know, these, these disciples find a man and they say, well, let me show you a more excellent way. Right. He didn't have the full knowledge that they had, and so they taught him. And you have the Apostle Paul who finds disciples of John. The same thing. Well, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Since you, yeah. And he's, well, we have not yeah. heard that there be any Holy Ghost. He said, well, then how are you baptized? We're baptized with the baptism of repentance. Oh, well, hold on a second. You've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. And But right. here's, the, here's the thing. They gladly received it. And, you know, I wonder if it, I wonder if there was a correlation there between the, his, his boldness to speak. But here's the thing. He didn't, he never preached with enticing words of man's wisdom. As he said himself, he said, I just, I've determined to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. Right. And a lot of the times we, we spend all this time, you know, Laying out the law, the standards, the but we neglect the very first thing. Nobody, somebody that's going to walk into your church tomorrow and and not have any clue about what you believe, all that extra stuff, that's meat, and there is a time for them right. to eat meat. 
Give them the milk. But give them the milk first. Preach Jesus Christ and him crucified first. Well, and like you said, he, he never tore down their belief system. He, he built on top of it. Right. Oh my goodness. We need to build, <laughs> we need to build on the good that is already there. Let, let the immaterial be immaterial. But we need to build on the foundation of Christ Jesus. At least they have that. The Apostle Paul, uh, what was it? I think when he was in Athens, and there were the, there was he found he he walks past this altar and it says to the unknown God. To the unknown God. (laughs) They didn't. They didn't have any foundation. Their foundation was this multiplicity of, of of these gods that they believed in. And this, these philosophies that they believed in. But he still found a way to build. to build upon their knowledge of the holy. Their knowledge of God. And he, he just, in this incredible way, he says, Oh, I, I, I noticed that you have the altar to the unknown God. Well, let me tell you, let who, me tell the, you who he is. Let me tell you yeah, who the unknown yeah. God is, who's greater than all the other gods, who stands alone. The, the heavens, the heavens are his home, and the earth is his footstool. He cast the stars into the heavens. He flung them into yeah. existence. He spoke the world into existence. Yeah. And his name is Jesus. And in just this incredible, this sort of just phenomenal way, if we could just find a place where instead of attacking what they believe, if we could just find a way to align truth with their knowledge and build it up and build upon it. Piggyback. Wow. <laughs> this is good. <sighs> well, brother, this has been tremendous. Thank you so much Amen. for joining me. Thank and you for uh, having me. Thank appreciate you. For having you. Me. Yes, sir. God bless you. And until uh, we meet again, my friend. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.